0: Dan Lanning is absolutely on fire right now. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you. Become one of the more than 4,000 we've got over on. YouTube, the show available wherever you get your podcast as well. And today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. There have been a lot of high moments in Dan Lanning's tenure as Oregon's head coach. This is certainly one of those high points. So Oregon has the big win on Saturday. What I have argued is the biggest win of Dan Lanning's career to date, because it was the best coaching performance he has put on to date. He said it was the most complete performance his team has uh, accomplished so far. I happen to agree with him. And then the news comes out on Monday that 2024 five-star edge, Elijah rushing has verbally committed to the ducks. Now Oregon is going to have to continue recruiting this kid. This has long been crystal balled. Nobody has signed on the dotted line. We're well aware of how signing day works. This is a massive flip for the Ducks. He becomes the second five-star of Oregon's 2024 class, 6'6", 251 pounds. He's got comparisons ranging from Eric Armstead to Kayvon Thibodeau. I've kind of heard all that get, uh, get thrown around. I'll see if I can get Brian on uh, later this week to talk more about you know what he brings to the table as a prospect from a from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, he brings a lot. Number one player in the state of Arizona. The Ducks now with Rushing's commitment, along with Aiden Breland, another five-star defensive lineman that uh, the landing of the Ducks got to commit just before the Washington game. Number six class in the country for 2024 on 24/7 Sports, and they're still after several. High-profile recruits. Jason Brown, the running back out of Washington. There's a five-star offensive tackle. There's Jericho Johnson, the four-star defensive lineman. Still some names that are out there for the Ducks to try and bolster this class, which is approaching the highest rated in in school history. So at the moment, the record is 2021 when Oregon's total composite ranking was 287.67. Right now, they're at 277.04, trailing only Alabama- not bad. Florida State, Florida is in there. Ohio State and Georgia. So a lot of heavy hitters on the recruiting trail, and Oregon has jumped ahead of a lot of heavy hitters with Elijah rushing getting there. I, I mean, this is just quite the news week for Dan Lanning and company. Go into Utah and not just win the football game, but dominate 35-6 to 6 on the road. Stake your claim as a Pac-12 title and college football playoff, and perhaps even national championship contender. Got to get through the next four games in the Pac-12 title game though first before we can start to seriously have that conversation because there's some, there, there some tough opponents. Oregon's going to play, though Oregon's a very good team. So everything right now is just rolling for Dan Lanning. He, he's got the on-field results looking awesome. They look better by the week. He's got the recruiting heating up in a big way. And the philosophy that he wants to implement that he learned it under Kirby Smart at Georgia and Nick Saban at Alabama and everywhere else he's been, that's what he's starting to implement here. Starts with physicality up front and then get a bunch of explosive playmakers. So the rushing commitment is huge. This is someone who a lot of Oregon fans were frustrated, slipped through Oregon's fingertips at the time when he committed to Arizona in June. And at the time, Oregon didn't have a five-star recruit. Now they've got two. Going after a third uh, with, with the offensive tackle, whose name is eluding uh, me right now for some reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll come to me. But and anyway, Oregon's recruiting efforts look really, really good. Oregon's on-field results look really, really good. The current status of the program, really strong. The future of the program, also looking very strong. I know we've all got questions about quarterback next year. That'll be an off-season discussion. The foundation And the underlying principles of what make a good football team, it's all there. It's all there and coming together the way Lanning wants it to. So we have a lot to get to on today's show. I have about 70 mailbag questions. Why? Because I ask you to send them in and you do so. If you want to be a Locked on Ducks insider and get priority mailbag access, which will uh, prove fruitful for some people here on today's show, join the Locked on Ducks subtext community at subtext.com slash locked on ducks or link in the description below wherever you listen to or watch this show so that will come later because we got a bunch to get to you have a lot of questions i'll have an answer to all of them as always let's get to though the individual standouts i love doing this segment it's only a segment we can do certain times of the year we only have tuesday shows reacting to a saturday game about 13 times a season That'd be, you know, what a regular schedule looks like. Ho- hopefully Oregon plays more than that this year. They're certainly capable, but one week at a time. Cow's up next. I think Oregon will be uh, just fine. But going back to this game against Utah, what a game it was. Big, big time W from the Ducks. Complete and utter dominance. 35-6. to six. Ty Thompson got in the game. Just, I did not see that coming. So, when I go through the individual standouts, I'm looking for guys that beyond the usual characters – caught my eye in one form or fashion, right? Because every week, Bo Nix is playing well. Bucky Irving's great. Troy Franklin is awesome. Brandon Dorless is a beast. But the other guys who are stepping up that deserve to get shouted out, number one, my number one guy, Ty Johnson. You go back and listen to last week's show, I was critical of Ty Johnson. I didn't think that the safety production had been tremendous, particularly in the passing game this season. And still, you know, against the more elite passing offenses, I want to see more, but this was a great effort. The safeties as a gen in, in general, really. Taisheem Johnson, two interceptions in this ball game. He was tasked on more than one occasion with covering Utah's, you know, newfound do it all weapon, Sioni Vaki. He didn't do anything in this game. I mean, Utah's offense as a whole didn't do anything in this game. Taishim Johnson was a reason why. Evan Williams. Also, had a great game. When he comes downhill in a run fill, he moves fast. In coverage, I think he's been real solid this year. I think better than his brother Bennett, not top shelf, but solid. When he gets downhill, he's fast. He's fast, and he might be the best blitzing safety gosh, that Oregon's had since maybe Javon Holland, who, I mean, Javon Holland might be the best safety Oregon's had in the last 15, 20 years. Frankly, I'm, I've always been very high on him uh, and his Oregon career, but I mean, Evan Williams, when he comes on the blitz, he is ferocious. He is ferocious. It led to a fourth down stop in the second half. And, you know, the, the corner and safety blitzes have been really well-timed and well-executed by this Ducks defense. Chris Hampton and Tosh Lupoint, Dan Lanning, they got everybody rolling on that side of the ball. And when you hear the players talk, they, they don't even feel like the defense has hit its peak just yet, that they will, but they haven't. And that's an awesome thing to think about if they are right, because this defense is playing at a really high level. Tysheen Johnson, two picks, awesome game. Evan Williams made uh, he had uh, i think two tackles for loss a quarterback hit uh you know just just all over the place all all over the place speaking of the last defensive standout i'm shouting out here um jordan birch had a great individual play on third and two which was fantastic Dorless kind of blew the play up but Birch made the stop as well that front four they're really good landing knows that's where it all starts that's why he's recruiting guys like Elijah rushing and Mateo and Blake purchase and Tatum Tuioti and all these young guys that are laying the foundation for the future. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what what happens on an annual basis here, but uh, last defensive standout and as always drop your thoughts in the comments or shoot me a note on Twitter, subtext or wherever, if you think that I'm overlooking somebody here, but my final defensive standout was Jeffrey Bossa. I don't think it was the most shocking box score for Jeffrey Bossa. I think that was the best game of his career. That second interception that Tysheem Johnson had, he made a hell of a football play. He makes a diving effort. He's in good position. Jeffrey Bossa makes that interception. Bossa goes on, you know, what is essentially a contained blitz. You know, he can't push the tackle back. So he kind of backs off. And then Bryson Barnes leaves the pocket. Bossa forces him to throw off his back foot, falling away. He created that turnover. And when you watch the way that Utah struggled to run the football, Jeffrey Bossa and the other linebackers, too. But Bossa, I thought, was their leader out there. He was at the center of everything that the Ducks were doing, and I thought he had an awesome, awesome football game. He looks so much better stopping the run. He's good in coverage. I think he's improved that from last year. He's just a good football player right now. And I think that Oregon uh, is lucky to have him at linebacker with Justin Jacobs and Jamal Hill. I like that unit. I really, really do. I like the whole defense, but I, I, I like that unit quite a bit. Three standouts I had offensively. One of them really, really deserves a good amount of praise. Game time deserves a lot of praise as well because that is the best way to get tickets to your next event. You shouldn't have to worry when buying tickets to your next big event, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater. Game time has got everything that you want. With killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly down to the millimeter. What to expect when you arrive? And they're obsessed with helping you find ways to save money on tickets. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E. That's Locked On College for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Having a great day today. Slept for like nine hours. Got a second segment sip. I got everything I need. The Ducks won big. Gosh, it's a good day. All right. Individual offensive standouts here. Number one. And again, this is going beyond the big name guys. You know, Bucky Irving had another good game. Are we surprised? Not really. No. Bo Nix, same guy. Troy Franklin, awesome. I've got three. Number one, Josh Connerly. Josh Connerly had what I think is his best game to date, as an Oregon Duck, I have not checked what PFF thinks of him in this particular performance, and frankly, I don't care. Jonah Ellis coming into this game led all of FBS in sacks. He is a menace. He is a force. He is a beast. The Utah front seven is among the best and most physical, not just in the conference, in the entire country. Jonah Ellis had no stats in this game. Not not no sacks. Not no tackles for loss. He had no stats. He might have had a quarterback hurry. I think he should have been credited with when he beat Connerly one time. But most often, Jonah Ellis likes riding lining up at that right defensive end spot, which is over the left tackle. And the Ducks' young true sophomore, Josh Connerly, making his first season starting at left tackle, he did more than hold his own. Bo Nix wasn't sacked. Oregon did not have a negative play. These are crazy good numbers against that Utah team. That doesn't pertain to anything about Cam Rising not being there. That Utah defense is really good. Really, really good. And guess what? They couldn't touch Bo Nix because that man, Josh Connerly, had his best game to date as a duck. And he continues on these – on Oregon's successful running plays, go look at the number of times. And Jackson Powers Johnson, you know, is kind of in that – bo Nix, bucky irving troy franklin category where it's like yeah of course he had a great game he's probably going to be an all-american jackson powers johnson might be the best center in the country troy franklin probably going to be a second team all-american depending on how many they put on the first team gosh almighty he should be close to the first team he's been really really good bo Nix, what more do you need to see Connerly stepped up his game big time here. And when you watch Oregon over the last couple of weeks and the six success they're having running the football, over five yards of carry against the Utes, it doesn't happen very often, especially not in Rice-Eccles. Connerly is just bulldozing people out of the way. He's, he's like a snowplow. He's just, you know, you know snowplows have that curvature in the you know plow on the front of the truck that just kind of cars the snow off to the side. That's what Josh Connerly is. He's just a snowplow. He just goes in there. It's reminiscent of, of Panay Sewell. I don't think he's quite the pass blocker that Panay was yet. Once he gets there, he'll be an NFL offensive tackle. But in the run blocking department, he's just moving people out of the way. He is turning people whichever way he wants to and just clearing a path for Bucky Irving and Jordan James, who are among the best running back tandems in the country. So Connerly, big shout out. Sean Holden. I like this guy a lot. I like this guy's attitude. I like his energy, like his approach, love, absolutely love the way he blocks. Oregon's best receiving course and best receivers, frankly, over the last 10, 15 years have had great blockers in them. I think TreShaun Holden, and it's what it kind of should be because he's the biggest receiver that Oregon has, you know, physically, like he's almost a tight end. He's not quite that big, but like he and Kenyon Sadiq, I don't, I don't think there's too much of a a difference in physical profile. Sadiq is a a little bit bigger. But Treshawn Holden had a couple of awesome blocks. And he's not a guy who's getting a ton of touches. But he's not frustrated, dejected. He's still going out there and doing whatever is asked of him. And then when he does get to touch the football, a lot of his stuff comes around the line of scrimmage. He's just a physical football player. He had that touchdown late. Like he's not doing a ton of stuff down the field. That's mostly Troy Franklin Tez Johnson, the tight ends. And guess what? He seems okay with that. And I thought he had an awesome game. He sprung Troy Franklin uh, on a couple of screen passes. He had the touchdown. He He's kind of become that gadget guy. You know, the little pop passes and whatnot. I think he does that really well. Like what I'm seeing from him a lot. And then my guy, T-Ferg, Terrence Ferguson. I've been on this hype train since before last season started. And he continues to show week after week, not just with his blocking, but the pass catching. That third down reception that led to an Oregon touchdown, that would have otherwise been a field goal attempt because it was third and seven. He's catching that ball on a corner route, in between a corner and a safety, reaching behind himself and taking a shot, and he's just hauling it in. And, and then when you watch the running game, Tfer much like Connerly, is just moving people out of the way. Just, excuse me. My running back needs to come through. You need to You need to go over here now. He's a beast. He's an absolute beast. Gosh, I'd love to have him back for next year. I don't know if we will because I think he's playing at a high level. And I think that he's got real NFL potential because, you know, I see the guys at the tight end position that make it in the NFL. A lot of good players. I think T-Ferr can go toe-to-toe with a lot of them. You know, he's not a Brock Bowers type. I think he is incredibly comparable to the Beavs tight end from last year, Luke Musgrave. Who was drafted by the Packers and is, I think, their number one tight end. T Ferg's got the hands, the catch radius, the athleticism. Think about the touchdown he caught against Stanford as well. Guys draped all over him. He holds on to it. Good hands, soft and strong. Great athleticism, good blocker, willing blocker. Love what I've seen from him week in and week out. So those are my individual standouts who you know go beyond the obvious names and whatnot. Let me know who you think had a great game. That deserves a shout-out on the show, YouTube comments, Twitter, subtext, however. So, speaking of subtext, got a busy subtext mailbag. Who boy. who boy. I might – can I get a pre-subtext sip? Of course I can. You know why? Because it's my show. Um, I'm kidding. It's your show, and I appreciate you all so very, very much. All right. We're just going to roll through. One, two, three, four, five, six questions. Well, in Five. Uh, Two of them are tied together. Secondary question. Do you think Dan makes an adjustment in the future, this season or next, to take the ball first on the road to help dictate the crowd? Because I think that's a huge component of how Oregon was able to continually dominate. So Oregon had the ball first in this game against Utah. Take the opening drive, despite the delay of game after the kickoff, and still on the road against that Utah defense, 0-0. They weren't feeling defeated just yet. Six plays, 75 yards under three minutes. It was surgical. It was such a great game plan. I'm someone who has always leaned towards defer to the second half, and that's something that Dan Lanning has succeeded with over the last couple of years because Oregon, remember last year, they were known as a middle-eight team. Last four minutes of the second quarter, first four minutes of the third quarter, they would blitz people had been hanging around with them you know like Stanford and Cal and I think Arizona was and then Oregon would just go on these runs and they just pull away they just pull away and win the football game in that middle eight you can't do that as easily if you're not getting the ball out of the half because really you know what Oregon would do is they'd go on like a 21 to 3 run sometimes or a 17 nothing run where they have the ball score then they get a stop with like three minutes left in the first half score right before the half get it to start the third go down score again And then they were pulling away from people. I think it's a game by game basis. I lean towards defer. And here's the thing. Taking the ball first. At the end of the day, you know, I don't think there's any conclusive data about, you know, do you win the game more often if you take the ball first or not? If you're the better football team, you're going to win whether you kick to start or you receive to start. It's not going to end up meaning anything. I think with the way this defense is playing. I expect him to lean towards deferring to the second half to set up that opportunity to kind of go on that little spurt because defense is coming out. And in both instances, when they've been on the road against Impact 12 play against Washington and against Utah, they have come out and set the tone early. And I think that that is telling of how improved they are as a unit. I think landing is going to trust them. I don't think this is a change that needs to be made. You can go either way. I like the way Stein game plans. I like the way the offense is executing. I like the way the defensive staff is having the kids ready to go. So I can go either way on that one. I I do lean 60-40 on, yeah, I'd I'd probably rather uh, still defer. I'd also still prefer to get to the rest of the subtext questions. Oh, wait. Yeah, of course, we're we're, we're going to do that. Oregon, according to our friends at FanDuel, is a 24-point favorite against Cal this week. Yeah, that's about right. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's it. $5 money line bet. Bet bet Oregon. $5 on the money line. And if you're a new customer, you get $150 in bonus bets. $150 if Oregon wins. That simple. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okie dokie, back to the mailbag. Hey, Spencer, I almost feel like the loss to Washington was more beneficial than a win. The team learned some valuable lessons and have improved because of it. When you're undefeated, there's a whole different type of pressure on you when you play. What do you think? Well, it is true that Oregon has been way, and I mean way more impressive in two games since the Husky game than Washington has by a long shot. They've beaten better opponents by way more points. I still would have rather had the win, and I think that with the messaging that Dan Landing has at least projected and what I think he tells his team, if Oregon had won that game, they would have had a mentality of, Hey, this is great, but we're not done. We're not satisfied. We're not, you know, cruising anywhere. That's what Washington is trying to fight right now. It's different. Sure. And I think that it has certainly lit a fire under the ducks and they've played that way in the last couple of weeks and they seem very mission oriented. I don't think it was better than a win because Oregon has no margin for error coming down the stretch. And Washington does when you're talking about the college football playoff and the rankings come out later today. I expect Oregon to probably be number six. Looking over the past, this is another one. Again, these are all subtext questions, which is how you get priority mailbag access. But you can always do mailbag the old fashioned way as well. It's not the only way I would never do that. I've never put anything on the show behind uh, behind a paywall. I just, you know, appreciate people who are willing to support the show like that. Looking over the past one and a half seasons, I'm extremely optimistic about the future of Oregon football. Me too, buddy. Me too. Primarily because our recruiting is top notch among the best in the country. Our coaching staff is young and introspective, reflecting on their successes and failures as shown by Dan Lanning's news conference, following the UW game. Dan Lanning seems to have such a high ceiling, like a young Kirby smart. Your thoughts. Yeah. I look at the big 10 and I don't know how Oregon isn't immediately going to be one of the three or four best teams and programs in there, or excuse me, programs in there right away like look at the way they're recruiting look at the way they're playing on the field Lanning I totally agree with you feels like a better coach than when he first started he feels like someone who wants to learn and grow and owns up to his mistakes and says yeah it's on me I can take the heat I'm I'm a big boy I can handle it I love that I I, I'm a huge Lanning fan as I think we all are and I mean with this rushing news and Breland and the way that you know, as you just kind of glance to the future, I'm, I'm only giving it a side eye 2024 because 2023 Oregon could do some really, really big things. But as as the Ducks go to the Big Ten, I don't know how a lot of Big Ten teams aren't looking to Oregon and Atlanta and going, boy, I don't I, I, I don't want to play them every year. I, I, I don't I don't want to see them at Autzen. I don't want to see them come to our place like the Indianas and the Illinois of the world are probably looking up going. Oh, great. We got another Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State in here, which is exactly what they've got. So um, obviously he learned, you know, as a coordinator under Kirby Smart and Nick Saban said at one point in time, he's ready to hire him. And then Kirby did. Now Oregon's got him, of course, which I'm really happy about. Uh, One one thing on the comparison to Kirby Smart, uh, Kirby took over in, I think, 2015, didn't win a national championship till 2021. I mean, I'd be willing to wait several years. I'd also be willing to wait no more years to win a national championship. So, I mean, we'll just see how far the comparisons will go with his mentor. But with the way he's recruiting and the way he's coaching, the way he has his teams ready to go, the way they improve, I mean, everything about this team. You got to like where Dan Lanning is at right now. Another one. I feel that our current Ducks coaching staff is making much better halftime adjustments based on the team's performance in the third quarter of the season. Do statistics back this up? Could conditioning be a factor? What are your thoughts? I'm 100% with you. 100%. Like the halftime adjustments have been Nick Aliotti esque. Washington State, no touchdowns until garbage time in the second half. Utah, no points in the second half. Washington, until one, uh, until Oregon gave it back to him at midfield, one touchdown in the second half and only two drives that went anywhere, right? Had the goal line stand and they had one touchdown. I think the adjustments schematically have been there and the talent is at a higher level than last season. And that's why we're seeing better results. I, I I have just complete faith and confidence in this staff's ability to put together a good game plan and then adjust and tweak it within the game. And they've shown that uh, all season long. All right, last one here. Gosh, we're getting a lot done today. I love it. As of yesterday, ESPN predictions for uh, for Duck wins. Cal, 91.9%. USC, 73.9%. ASU, 95.1%. OSU, 74.4%. By my calculations, that makes our chances to sweep all four, 48.05%. Does that sound reasonable? So what he has done here is just you know, simple mathematics, the odds of four things happening with those given percentages is you multiply them all together. You get 48.05%. ESPN analytics is not a horrible indicator. It's not the best indicator as well, because if I told you right now, well, Oregon's got a 48% chance to win their next four games. Mm, No, I don't think Vegas would see it that way. The ESPN analytics are a little numbers driven, so they're kind of a good starting point, but they don't always give the full context there. I think there's a better than 75% chance Oregon wins each of their next four games. Though it is not impossible to see him going three and one. I don't see him going worse than three and one, just to be clear. Like that, that is that is the worst that I can foresee barring, you know, Utah level injuries here, which knock on wood won't happen. We hope. But I I really think that. 48% to win those four games. No, I, I I feel a lot more confident than under 50% that the Ducks will win their next four games. You know, Oregon State is a good team. I know they lost to Arizona on the road and I expect Oregon to win that game this year. Between Oregon State and USC, you know, I don't think Cal and ASU have the rosters to match up with the Ducks. USC and Oregon State are closer. If Oregon plays the way that they are capable of, the way we have seen at their best, They'll win both of those games, too. But as we also know, sometimes teams made up of 18 to 22-year-old kids don't always play the way they're capable of. I trust this team. I trust this staff. I will be, again, barring you know an injury to Bo Nix, really, is all that would change my mindset here. I'm expecting Oregon to go 4-0 down the stretch and get to the Pac-12 championship game. My confidence level at that? Is not 98%. It's a lot closer to 90% than it is 48. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go, Ducks.